happened in the moment, but it stays with me, and I recognize, hold on a minute, that wasn't just a, that wasn't just a thought, but the Lord was planting something there, and so I'll meditate on that, think on that, and, and uh, but the simple thought was, you know, it would be easy to come and go, don't you, don't you just love what you feel, the presence of the Lord this morning, the manifestation of His Spirit? I, I need that. I desire that. I want that in my life. And we can, it's important that we understand that comes at a cost. Okay, let me say that again. That comes at a cost. The presence of the Lord manifesting himself comes at a cost. God is everywhere. We understand that. He's omnipresent. But God does not manifest himself everywhere. I think, don't overthink this. There's places you go, you don't feel the presence of God. Okay, it doesn't mean he's not there. All right? The very presence of the Lord that we feel here, we can gather in, uh, in a service together in Kent, Federal Way, and feel the presence of the Lord. The manif- it comes at a cost. There, the Bible talks about us entering into other men's labors. There are those that have prayed There are those that have given themselves to waiting on the Lord. Those that have just something as beautiful and as wonderful and as simple as these gathering here and leading us in worship. They have taken time to come early and practice and be ready to usher in the presence of the Lord. It comes at a cost. They don't produce it. They simply begin to worship. They lead us in worship and we get to enter in because someone has made sacrifices. Now. I'll say this, it also comes because people have separated themselves unto God. People have separated themselves unto God. And we live in a world today where if we're not careful, we can live from I'll plug in for that feeling and then I'll unplug and then I'll plug in for that feeling because it does something to me and then I'll unplug and then I'll, I'll plug in for that feeling or relief and then I'll unplug. And there is no separation from the things that continue to drag us down in this world. But when we'll make a commitment in our walk in our relationship with God to separate ourselves unto God. That's what holiness truly is. Holiness is separated unto. It's not just to separate from something. It's to separate with a purpose to join to. And so I separate myself from the world to join to God. I don't mean people. You understand? From the God of this world. I separate from those elements by the grace of God to be set apart for his use and his purpose. But you find someone that vacillates in between, ah, you know what, I'll go to church on Sunday, and man, I love what I feel, and it touches my life. I feel so much better. I I just, man, then I go back through the week, but what, I, I don't stay separated unto God through my week, and I just start fellowshipping the God of this world, engaging in the things with the God of this world, feeding my flesh through the God of this world. And then I'll look to reconnect on Thursday night or Sunday and enter in. Whereas someone else is paying a price. If you want to go to deep places in the spirit of God. It's not free. It's called sacrifice. We don't earn it, you understand. But it's a sacrifice. It's a laying of my life and your life on an altar called sacrifice. And there the Spirit of the Lord can consume the sacrifice. Amen. I'm thankful for his presence today, and I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to just go, I'll plug in next Sunday. It'll always be there for me. I want to separate myself unto the Lord. Don't you? Don't you? Amen. I, I believe that I have something from the word of the Lord today. 
that he would like to put into our spirit if we could take a few minutes this morning. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. Please remember, there are some that are out today. You may recognize Brother Martin is under the weather. Let's pray for him. Brother Jerry is caring for kids that are under the weather. Remember him in prayer. And so, in Jesus' name. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. And I'm going to start with verse 1 and read down through verse 3. And then we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 4. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do. Now, the Lord didn't just say observe my commandments. He said, why? That you may live. That's a pretty good reason right there. Amen. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear to your fathers. Now, this is the outset. The Lord said, if you'll be obedient, you'll live, you'll multiply, and you'll go in and possess the land I promised you. Verse 2, and you shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Everybody say 40 years in the wilderness. Doesn't that sound exciting? No, nobody, no, no, not really. These 40 years in the wilderness, but watch, he had a purpose. To humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in your heart. This was the wilderness. It humbled you. It proved you and it let the Lord know what was really in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. Would you obey or not? Verse 3, and he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger. He allowed that. And he fed you with manna which you didn't know, neither did your fathers know. Why did he do all of this? That he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. I want you to note something very specific here in these verses. The wilderness was God's design with specific purpose. He said, I'm going to use it to humble you. That word humble means to afflict and to bring low. What? I'm going to afflict you and bring you low? That's what he said. I'm going to use the wilderness to do that. To humble you, to afflict you and bring you low. And to prove you. I'm going to find out what you're really about. We're going to get to your motive. Think the Lord's interested in your motive? I'm going to prove you, and I'm going to know what's in your heart. See, he had brought them out of Egypt. Egypt, type and shadow of sin. Bondage. They'd been in bondage, and they were excited to get out of bondage. Anybody remember when the Lord brought you out of some bondage? Thank God for that. But we need to recognize from Scripture, we get excited, he brings us out of bondage. Israel was excited. They went out with a shout. But he didn't take them from bondage to promise. He took them from bondage to the wilderness to promise. And the wilderness between deliverance and promise. There is a place between deliverance and promise that is ordained of God in every life of a child of God. And it has a purpose it's to humble you and I. It afflicts us. It brings us low. It proves us. It's a searching of our heart. The wilderness does that. If the Lord took us out of bondage and put us into promise. See, there's some people that make a turn towards God just because they're trying to get out of the situation they're in. 
No heart towards God. And the wilderness begins to prove their heart. You know what happened to many in Egypt or many of the Israelites after the Lord brought them out and they'd been in the wilderness a little bit? Read it in the scripture. The Israelites begin to say, I would to God we were back in Egypt. What? What are you talking about? You were making bricks. You were under slave masters. Nothing you had was your own. You were in bondage. But you want to go back? Well, at least in Egypt we had leeks and onions. We had stuff to eat. And we, at least we... Right. You'd rather have bondage than trust God. See, the Lord was having to... He had brought them out of Egypt. But the wilderness had to get Egypt out of them. The wilderness had to get Egypt out of their heart. I reflect oftentimes on Brother John Stone's testimony of spending so many years in the rodeo. And the rodeo lifestyle and the rodeo background. And we've heard him say to us in his ministry that he's not teaching or preaching against rodeo. But it was so much a part of his life before he knew God. And and the way and the people with which he interacted in that environment. Therefore, when God delivered him from sin and filled him and baptized him with the Holy Ghost, he said, I couldn't go back to the rodeo. Now, he wouldn't tell you, you can't go to the rodeo. But for him, it was so much a part of his life before Christ and the associations and the connections and the relationships there that the Lord said, I can't just take you out of that. I got to get that out of you. And this is the way the Lord works in every one of our lives. He'll deliver us from bondage. You may be sitting here this morning going, I need deliverance from something. The Lord can bring deliverance in your life. But no, when He brings deliverance, He doesn't take you straight to promise. There is a wilderness process that's the love of God that serves the purpose of God and the plan of God. And what it is, it says, I got you out of Egypt, but I got to get Egypt out of you. And the only way to do that and to prove your heart is the wilderness. The wilderness. And I also need the wilderness to prove to you, I'm God. And I can care for you. I can supply for you. But understand, what I'm supplying for you in the wilderness is not like where I'm taking you. But if you'll trust me in the wilderness, you'll let me humble you. You'll let me bring you low. And you'll let me prove myself to you while you're proving that your motive is pure to me. And I'm getting these things out of your life that held you in bondage before. There's a promised land ahead. And you're going to know that man doesn't live by bread alone or natural sustenance, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. Luke 4 and verse 1. In Jesus' name. Pray with me. Jesus, in your name. You know our frame. You know where we are. You know exactly your design upon each of our lives, and you know where you are taking us. You know why you have reached to us individually and collectively. You have a plan and a purpose for your people. I pray today we hear your word, and it mark our lives according to your design. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Luke 4 and verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Everybody say he was led by the Spirit. Want to be led by the Spirit? Amen. Where did the Spirit lead him? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil... 
There's a whole lot of types and shadows, prophetic things we could take time. We won't today. Forty years for the children of Israel, 40 days for the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophetic symbolism that's there. But 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days when he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. That's always funny to me. I was like, I'd have been hungry on day two. It wouldn't have been after 40 days that I got hungry. Verse 3, watch. We're going to learn some things. There's some scriptural principles here for your wilderness. And the devil said to him, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him saying, verse 4, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Did you catch that? Jesus in the wilderness quoted what Moses wrote under the inspiration of the Lord God in Deuteronomy 8 in his wilderness. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That word where you see the word, word there, the Greek word is rhema. That is a spoken word, an uttered word, a living word. That's what causes us to live when we hear the word of God. And it's like, man, that registers with my spirit. That's not just something I heard that sounds good. Something registered in my spirit. That's the rhema of God, the every rhema of God. That's how we live. Verse 5, and the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power will I give you and the glory of them for that is delivered to me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Verse 7. If you, therefore, will worship me, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him in verse 8, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. He brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. Verse 10, For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Now watch. We need to understand these principles of the Word of God for our walk and our relationship with God. If we will lay hold of these things, they will guide us throughout our entire walk with God. There are principles of the Word that you and I can lay hold of. And when it is a principle of the Word of God, it's never changing. And so it bears true through every season of life. That's the beauty of laying hold on the principles of the Word of God. So there is this first principle we need to understand. When God brings you out of darkness, when God delivers you and I from sin, when He delivers us from things that would hold us captive against our will, almost always the next season will be a wilderness. There may be temporary rejoicing because we're thankful that we're free. Like the children of Israel, we're thankful to be out of Egypt. They went out with a shout. Blood on the doorpost. By the way, the only way you'll ever really get delivered from the bondage of sin is the blood of Jesus on your life. They went out of Egypt with a shout. And they were excited. And they were being led by the Spirit of God. How do we know this? They followed a pillar of a cloud by day. They followed a pillar of fire by night. They were being led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God led them from deliverance to the wilderness. Now, studies have shown that the journey that they took from Egypt to the promised land that took 40 years, that if they would have just walked straight, they could have done it in about eight days. So why did it take 40 years? 
Did God not know where he was taking them? Here's a principle of the wilderness. He won't take you out until he's humbled you, proved you, and learned what is in your heart. The wilderness has a purpose in mine and your life. And some of you, you're going, why does my wilderness season seem so long? The Lord is in his love for you and his love for I. He's reaching into the motive of our heart. This is why we can live for God and then we'll come to a place that seems like, man, I'm in a wilderness season again. What's going on? I'll tell you what's happening. You're going to a deeper place in relationship with God. And God's saying, i got to go deeper in your heart. I'm going to explore some other motives that maybe we haven't dealt with yet. I'm going to explore some things in your life that we haven't dug into yet. And I'm going to prove you. And you're going to learn to trust me in those things that you haven't learned to trust me in yet. And so the wilderness does that. The wilderness does that. You've heard me say many times, but it's this principle. Everybody says the Lord is a healer, but you don't know Him as a healer till you need healing. And so you can call Him a healer, but it's totally different to experience Him as your healer. I can tell you the Lord heals, and it's true. But I can tell you the Lord has healed me. I know what it is to be sick and afflicted in my body and have the presence of God in a miraculous way come and touch my body and make me whole No one can tell me he's not a healer. There's a difference between experience and knowledge. And the wilderness gives you experience with God. Everybody wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to need one. Right? We want to call the Lord our provider, but we don't want to be in a position where we need him to provide. I'll take care of it, Lord. I got it all managed. I got it all under control. I got this. Everything's in order. Not discounting being a good steward. You understand? But he is my source. I must trust him. I can say he's Jehovah Jireh, but do I know him as my provider? I can tell you, I went through uh, several years of wilderness where he had to prove that he was the provider. I got no questions. He is my provider. He's proven it. He proved it in the wilderness. And he proved me because, well, here we are. What was interesting for me in that, in that part of the season where I come to know him in that wilderness part of my life, I had left Walmart. I'd managed Walmart for many years, been very successful by the world's standards at a young age, made good money. The Lord dealt with us. I walked away from Walmart. Uh, that was 24 years ago. And walked away. And, man, about a year later, things got really tough, really rough. Over an 80, almost an 80% decrease in income a year later from when I walked away. And we had two children, another one on the way, and a mortgage and a car payment. And, ah! I had to learn him as my provider. And you know what the temptation was when things got really difficult and I didn't know what to do? Here's what was ringing in my ear. When I left Walmart a year and a half before, a regional director that was over 100 stores, I still remember, Don Swan was his name. He made this statement to me. He said, Joel, if you ever change your mind, there's always a place for you here. Just call me and we'll make a way. And I can tell you in that place, I'm like, man, I could just pick up the phone and make a call, Brother Ruben. And I make that call, and I go from this selling books door to door till midnight some nights. And not knowing if I'm going to make a dime or not, I could go right back to six figures in a hurry. I'll just pick up the phone and make a call. And when I would pray about it, the Lord said, did I not? lead you out of that place? And you believe I'm telling you to go back? You know what it was? It was Egypt. Come on, just go back. Just go back. Just go back. It was bondage to me. It was bondage to me. 
the time it took from my life, the mental capacity it sucked out of me. And it was the temptation of Egypt to go back. When God said, and you know what? I could have went back and I never would have known him proving himself. He was proving what was in my heart while he was proving himself. I had to settle the issue. You're Jehovah Jireh. Now, I didn't sit at home and go provide. I I was working. But I couldn't go back to Egypt. Some of you here today, I don't know your situation. I don't know where you are. But I know the temptation of the adversary because we have the principle and the pattern of Scripture. The principle is, you know what? Things are getting tough in this way, in that way, and not just financially. It can, there are many different ways. Man, my relationships, I just, it's why is it that people get deliverance from bad relationships and then they go back? You say, man, you're meddling. No, I'm not. The Holy Ghost is trying to help somebody this morning. Why do they go back to these relationships? I'll tell you why. Because they got freedom. The Lord showed them a way out, brought them out. And then they got out there in the wilderness, and it was a time of trusting that he would be my source. He'll be my provider. He'll be my friend that's closer than any brother. He'll, he'll be all of those things. And humanity kicks in. It's like, you know what, man, and they'll go back to a bad relationship, back to Egypt, back to bondage, back to the affliction. of. The... It's the deception of the adversary. You've got to understand, I've got to understand, the wilderness serves God's purpose in my life. The word wilderness that we read in Luke, it literally means a solitary, lonely, desolate place that's deprived of the aid and the protection of others. Doesn't sound fun, does it? Solitary, lonely, desolate, deprived of the aid and protection of others. What is God doing? Is he sending me out there to get destroyed? No. He's saying, I brought you out of bondage, but I want to take you to a place where you'll become so dependent on me That when I lead you into what I promised for you, you'll not look back or think you ever did it on your own. But you'll recognize, no, I remember the wilderness I came through. I remember manna that my fathers didn't even know about. I remember water coming out of a rock that just was smoke. I remember quail falling from the sky. I remember God putting a serpent at Moses doing the Lord's bidding. And snakes that would kill us couldn't do it anymore. God did all of that. And I'm now in a place of promise. There's no way I got here on my own. But God brought me out and brought me through a wilderness. And where I am today in relationship with him is none other than the goodness of God. The wilderness can only produce that to where I recognize, yes, it was a trial. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, I wouldn't have chosen. But God proved me. God proved me. I'm not going back. I refuse. Some of you just need to determine in your spirit this morning, I will not go back. Sometimes it's just making up in your mind, I will not go back. The tragedy of Scripture, if you read, is that most of Israel that came out of Egypt, Died in the wilderness. Now you're saying, hold on a minute. You're telling me the wilderness has a good... I don't want to die. You know how you not die? You obey. The scripture tells us the reason they died in the wilderness was because they chose not to obey the Lord's direction for their life. I'm going to tell you why some people seem like they always live in the wilderness. This isn't a judgment. This is an observation from the Word of God. There are some people who their whole life long, it seems like they never quite get it. They're always living in the wilderness. I can tell you when you see that or if you're experiencing a wilderness place in your life that seems like it's just dragging on. You got to ask the question, Lord, where am I not responding to your instruction in my life? Where am I disobeying or not obeying? 
Where am I refusing to respond that you've spoken to me? You've dealt with me about that. I've heard that through a brother, a sister, the preached word, the taught word, a place of prayer, reading the word. God, you've been dealing with me. And I'm telling you, obedience begins to change a wilderness. It changes. Now, I want you to see something. How do we, here's, this is important. How do we survive in the wilderness? Obedience is critical. But notice, Jesus in his wilderness, we see some principles here. The adversary tempted him with natural food. The adversary will always tempt you in the wilderness with natural things. For me, it was go back to Walmart and you'll have this nice natural income. The Lord had something better prepared. But it would get you and I to look back to the natural. Notice Jesus' response. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If you want to make it in the wilderness, you better learn what is written. If you're struggling in the wilderness, solitary, lonely, desolate, deprived of the aid of others, you better learn what is written. In the wilderness, you better be in the Word. In the wilderness, you better be in the Word. I can tell you the only thing some days, many days that kept me when I've been in wilderness times in my life has just been going back and reading the Word and going, heaven and earth may pass away, but your Word will never pass away. Your Word is forever settled in heaven. Your Word, I may not know where I'm going, but your Word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. Your Word, oh God, I'll cleave to your Word. Hear me today. In the wilderness when you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn, in the wilderness you better be in the Word of God. Jesus said it is written. He understood in the wilderness. It's not about what I feel. It's not about emotional buildup. It's about it is written. I may Because my feelings will deceive me. The things around me will t- pull me. Temptation will come. But if I know what the word of God says, I'll get through this wilderness. What does the word say? And then living by every word of God. I've got to get in a place where I hear from God. Some of you heard this, but it bears repeating. In a wilderness season I went through most recently that some of you heard me testify about where I thought I was losing my mind in the battle of my mind and learning to trust God for my thoughts. In that season, in that difficulty, I was grabbing at things, trying to hear. Man, I need to hear from the Lord. I was, I would, I'd read different books or I'd, I'd go to ministers that I knew had ministered to me in the past and try to pull up recordings and, and it, it was still it wasn't doing anything. I was like, I need the Word of God, the living Word, the spoken Word of God in this wilderness. And I was praying one day and reading in the Word, just waiting on God, trying to get any semblance of direction. And the Lord dealt with me so strongly. I went back and I grabbed every book that I had, and I went and bought one on Kindle that Bishop had written. And I quit going and listening to any other preaching at the moment. I went back to the, the man of God that had been placed in my life as an, a shepherd over my life. That I knew cared for me. And I just began to go back and listen to things where the Lord would use him to minister. I began to listen to those recordings. I quit listening to all the other. I'm not saying there's something wrong with the other ones. You understand? I just needed the living word, the rhema of God. To live. And I couldn't be grabbing it from 23 different places. If I'm going to be getting it, I want to get it from the one that God said is my shepherd. I know he is our shepherd. You understand? It's critical. Now watch the next thing in in verse 8. And I'm hurrying. I'm almost done here. If you're going to make it in the wilderness. Satan tried to get Jesus to worship him. Our human nature, when we're going through wilderness places, looks for other things to fill our time so that our mind gets distracted. And we can start worshiping other things. Some people just bury themselves in, what do they call that when people watch stuff for a long, long time? Thank you. People, people start binge watching stuff. What are they doing? They're trying to fill their mind, to occupy their mind, to... 
I just, I just want to fill it with other stuff. I just, want to, I just want to entertain myself. And it becomes worship. That's what the adversary wanted Jesus to do. Just worship me. Just turn your attention to me. And I'll give you all the gods of this world. But notice what Jesus said. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. If, you're going to, if you and I are going to make it and live through the wilderness experience, and we will, we better learn to worship in the wilderness. You say, but I don't feel like it. That's exactly right. And when I learn to worship in the place where I don't feel like it, I begin to realize my worship is not based on what I feel. My worship is based on who He is. My worship is not based on what I think. My worship is based on He is God and I am not. My worship is an expression of the fact that I trust Him even when I don't know what's going on. Worship becomes an expression of trust and faith. If you have the Word and you learn to worship, you're going to live in the wilderness. If you have the Word and you learn to worship, you're going to make it through. But understand it's got a purpose. But don't discount the Word. Don't discount worship. You say, but I don't feel like it. I know. I understand. I've been there. I get it. But somehow you got to get yourself. And you got to get up. And you got to say, today I will worship you because you're worthy of my worship. Today I will worship you because you brought me out of bondage. I'm not in promise yet, but I'm not in bondage any longer. Today I will worship you because you are God and you know where you're leading me. Hear me, someone, precious child of God. The wilderness has a purpose, but if you're going to live, you better get in the Word and you better learn to worship in it. Verse 14, I want you to see this, Luke 4 and 14, as I finish. We read verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It is the love of God when He fills you with the Holy Ghost that He will, if not immediately, shortly thereafter will lead you into wilderness places. I've said this many times to different ones. One of the greatest things that ever happened to my wife and I in our marriage was nine months after we got married, we moved away from Missouri to the middle of the desert. They called it Salt Lake City, but it was the middle of the desert. All of my family was in the town where we got married. All of her family was in the town where we got married. Precious family. I thank God for them. Miss my wife today. Pray for her. She's in Baltimore with the Simpsons this morning in services. And, uh, but it was one of the best things. Why was it the best thing moving to Salt Lake away from all of our family? We still have good relationships with our family. I'll tell you why. Because her and I became close. We didn't have anybody else. She couldn't run to mom and dad. I couldn't run over and hang out with all of my friends and her go over and hang out with all of her friends. Nothing wrong with that, you understand? But by goodness, we're going to learn who each other is really. really. Now, you might call this old-fashioned. I call this scriptural. We did not live together until we were married. We didn't share a bed together until we were married. That's not old-fashioned. That's Bible. I'm going to say that again. That's a bonus. That's not old-fashioned. That's Bible. And so we got to know each other because we moved into the wilderness. The Lord will fill you with His Spirit, and then He'll take you into a wilderness place, not to destroy you, he really doesn't send you there alone. I know the word wilderness, I told you, means isolated, lonely, desolate, without the aid or protection of friend or others. But you're not alone. Do you understand? Here, 
Help me for a minute. Brother Zario, follow me. Come on. Don't be too slow. All right. Good morning. Now I want you to notice something. Thank you. You can be seated. He followed me, yes? I led him, yes? To lead him somewhere, I had to go where I was leading him. For the spirit to lead into the wilderness, the spirit has to go to the wilderness with you. The Lord won't lead you somewhere and then abandon you. He's leading you means he's there with you. He's there with you. And oh, by the way, he's leading you means he was there before you. You didn't go by yourself. He went before you. He knew what was ahead. And I promise you, if you'll stay the course, if you'll stay in the word, you'll learn to worship. You'll hold tight to him. You will not remain in the wilderness. It has served his purpose. And there's something on the other side that's designed and destined by God for you and I. But it can't be found without going through the wilderness. It has a purpose. Watch verse 14. Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned. Everybody say returned. See, some people's story never makes it to verse 14 because they give up and die in the wilderness or they give up and go back where they came from. But if you keep reading, he didn't stay there. He returned. And I want you to notice, when he went, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But when he returned, he returned in the power of the Spirit. He went out being led by, but he came back in the power of. That does not happen in your life and mine without a wilderness. I thank God for the leading of the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit, but I want to walk in the power of the Spirit. I want to move and operate in the power of the Spirit. And for that to happen, I've got to go through some wilderness. Don't despise it. Just know it has a purpose. And when you understand it has a purpose, then you can worship him there. Does that make sense? When you understand it has a purpose. God, I don't understand why. But I know there's a purpose in this, and so I worship you. I worship you because you love me enough to lead me here. And you have not abandoned me, but you're with me. And so I worship you in this wilderness. Let it have its work. Prove me, Lord. Search my heart. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. I have a confidence. I'm going to return. I'm coming out in the power of the Spirit. This is where he's leading. He's wanting his power to operate through your life and mine. He didn't lead you to the wilderness to leave you there. He led you and I to the wilderness to prosper us. It has a purpose. Stand with me this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Brother Ethan, would you come? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He returned in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of him. If he hadn't went through the wilderness... Remember one of the reasons for the wilderness? To humble you. To afflict you, to bring you low. To prove you and to know what's in your heart. See, the power of the Spirit can't really flow and operate fully through our lives until we've been humbled and brought low. And until our heart's been proven. Why? Because no flesh will glory in his presence. And so he takes us through a wilderness to try us. And to get us to the place to where when his spirit begins to operate through us with power and demonstration. 
There's not a one of us that's been through the wilderness that says, Oh, look at what I'm doing. Oh, look. And when the fame of Jesus went through all the region, he wasn't going about going, look at me, look at me, pay attention to me. It's all about me. Look at me. No, no, no. He kept saying, don't tell anyone who did this. Give glory to God. Glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. How did that happen? Because he'd been through the wilderness. He'd been humbled. He suffered. He'd been afflicted. He'd brought low. And his source. In Jesus' name, I'm opening this altar to you today. Come on, would you respond to the Lord? Would you let him affirm in your spirit what he's wanting to affirm today? Would you let him accomplish? I don't know where he's leading you. I don't know where he's leading us. But I know he has a plan and he has a purpose. I'm going to say that different. I do believe I know where he's leading us. He's leading us to a place of promise. He's leading us to a place of fulfillment. He's leading us to a place where he can use us for his glory and his purpose, not our own. I just got to get back in the word. I got to learn to worship. I got to trust the process. I got to let the wilderness separate me from Egypt and separate Egypt from me. Well, there's some of you right now, what you're feeling in your heart and your life and in this journey of life you're on, you're feeling that separation of Egypt from your life. And it's a real pull. It's a pull. Should I go back? It would be so much easier if I just went back. If I went back to those relationships, if I went back to that job, if I went back to my lifestyle, if I went back. Come on, that's the pull of Egypt. And it's the love of God that's trying to break that and deliver you because he's leading you to promise. He's leading you to promise. The wilderness is temporary, but promise is eternal. The wilderness is short time, but promise is eternal. Purpose, I will obey God by your grace. I will obey. Let the wilderness have its work in me. Let it have its work in me for your glory, for your purpose, for your honor. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, talk with him as we worship the Lord. We're in no hurry here. Talk with him and let him talk with you this morning. Let his spirit work in your heart. Let him reveal and speak some things into your life. Receive of his spirit. the storm to cease the rain to end the clouds to break sun will shine again he'll make a way when there is no way he'll make a way when there is no way He'll open doors when your path's not sure. He'll cause the storm to cease, the rain to end, the clouds to break, sun will shine again. He'll make a way when there is no way. The storm, the rain, the clouds all have to go away. The storm, the rain, the clouds all have to obey. The storm will cease, the rain will end, the clouds will break, sun will shine again. He'll make a way when there is no way. He'll make a way. 
when there is no way you'll open doors when your path's not sure you'll cause the storm to cease the rain to end the clouds to break sun will shine again he'll make a way when there is no way my every moment you call my raging seas you walk with me through the fire heal all of my disease you hold my every moment you call my raging seas. You walk with me through the fire, and you heal all of my disease. Oh, I trust in you. I trust in you. Because I believe that you're my healer, and I believe that you are all I need, and I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you are more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. And I believe that you're my healer. And I believe that you are all I need. I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you are more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. I want you to see one other place here in the Word today. Still in Luke chapter 4. Now we read verse 14. 
And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Notice he didn't go back first to where he'd been brought up. But in time, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, he came back to where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. A little side note there. Even Jesus had a custom of going to church every week. And he stood up for to read. And there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Sorry, Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Where it was written. Watch verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember where he started in verse 1? He was led by the Spirit. Verse 14, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. But now when he began to speak, he didn't say, the Spirit of the Lord is leading me. He didn't say, I'm in the power of the Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The wilderness does something in you and I in relationship to the operation of the Spirit of God in our lives. And it is His desire that the Spirit of the Lord be upon you. This couldn't have happened without the wilderness. To humble you. To prove you. To know what was in your heart. whether we would obey him or not. Jesus, you are our source. We trust in you and we worship you this morning. We submit our lives. Are you willing to express that to him today? I submit my life to you. I submit my thoughts to you. I submit my actions to you. I submit to you, Lord Jesus Christ, to your leading, to your operation, to the working of your spirit and your word in me, that you would have free course, that you would have free course in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Your wilderness has a purpose. Don't despise it. Sometimes you can pray your way out of it. And I don't mean that in a good way. God, get me out of here. I don't like this. Make this stop. Make it end. Okay. But if the wilderness didn't fulfill his purpose, you got to go through it again. Maybe it's just a product of getting older, but I don't pray much. Get me out of this anymore. I find myself going, God, help me understand your purpose in all of this. And if you're not going to help me understand your purpose, I respect that. But God, at least... Help me to remain pliable so that your purpose can be accomplished in me. Don't let me become hard of heart or callous during this because the wilderness can make you callous. Wilderness can make your heart get hard. I know. So sometimes I've just got to pray, God, touch my heart again. Break up the hardened places of my heart where I've sort of closed you out a little bit or I've I've called it protection, but it's really hardness. Break up those hard places. God, I trust you in there. I trust you to reach in places that I've closed. I've trust you. Just let this have purpose in me. Come on, there's promise on the other side. There's promise. The wilderness is temporary.
bless you today. Greet someone. Would you do that before you go? Would you greet someone? Would you speak words of blessing and favor to a brother or sister? Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus.